0: Hello? Why, hello, Jill! Good. I'm in the middle of recording something, so can to see what it's about? Give your me a good old rub. Uh, I'll be about i uh, I'll be a couple of hours, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, boy. Okay, bye. Hello, hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan,
1: and me, Will. This is the podcast where we take up a great pop music album and break it down, track by track.
0: It's like a magic. You've got to have it. And on the turntable this week, we've got Pop Life by Bananarama.
1: Oh, the relief! Bananarama
0: are back on Track by Track. It's been too long. It's been a good while. Has it's been? Yeah, a year and a half or so, and that's far too long. That will never happen again.
1: It's been a long train running.
0: Quite right.
1: So, Dan, why have we decided to talk about Banana Rama, other than them being absolute legends and a lovely couple of ladies, uh, as, as they are now? As they are
0: now, absolutely. We're talking about pop life this week because this album, this iconic album and fan favourite, turns 30 in a couple of days' time. Wow no that was a different one that was a couple of albums before (laughs) Uh, and I'm sure they wouldn't
1: mind us uh, taking a moment to reflect on the fact that this album is 30 years
0: old now and they are still still going and of course this album was their fifth album as well so they they were an established act when this came out so to think that it's been 30 years since then the the maths doesn't seem to add up because they still look absolutely fantastic but hey that's, that's what the pop life does for you Will apparently
1: when I want except for on a Wednesday when I get rudely awakened by three ladies singing great pop songs.
0: Pop life. What, what a wonderful way to be awake!
1: What with Bananarama at the foot of your bed singing Love in the First Degree. You know what I mean?
0: So yes you hinted at it before Will but Bananarama were a new Three piece lineup when this album was released, of course, Karen and Sarah, but also with the addition of the lovely Jackie O'Sullivan.
1: And Karen and Jackie are still going strong as a two piece uh, in the charts right up to today. I uh, absolutely love what.
0: Once again, well, not the first time this has happened. You've got your members mixed up. It's uh, Karen and Sarah who are still together.
1: Oh, at least it's on the podcast and not in the swimming pool changing rooms. <laughs> Karen and Sarah are still going strong, great, lifelong friends, uh, and still re- releasing fantastic pop music now. But let's rewind, then It feels like we've gone ahead too quickly uh, with a little bit about Banana Ramen themselves. So, a girl group from London formed in 1979. Originally, you've got Sarah, Siobhan, and Karen. Uh, and they had huge success through the 80s, 90s, and even uh, within the last decade as well. Uh, so many hits to, to speak of, Dan.
0: Yeah, too many to name. And we've, yeah, we've talked about uh, the drama album, and we've talked about the interior album. We've not actually talked about an album by the the original lineup. I'm sure we will at some point. Uh, but it's nice to go back in time a little bit with this one this week. Uh, and, of course, worth noting, I think we've said it before, but we saw the original lineup tour, didn't we? And we have seen them live uh, as a two-piece a couple of times as well. They are fantastic live.
1: They are absolutely phenomenal. And, obviously, Siobhan left the girls and went on to be uh, a, a big star in her own right with Shakespeare's Sister and, you know, way beyond that as well. <laughs> So, Jackie Love joined uh,
0: the girls uh,
1: for this album, uh, and they still had some success, didn't they, with Jackie?
0: Yeah, I think this album had its top 20 hits, uh, success across Europe, and they did their huge world tour with uh, Jackie before this album came out, of course. Uh, She also appeared on the two new tracks released from The Greatest Hits. And I've said this before, Will, and I'll say it again. I think the time after a Greatest Hits, it's a great time for a band to reset just generally. But here they've also got the addition of a new member as well. So lots of reasons why there are some very different sounds and very different types of songs on this album.
1: I would say they've moved. There's a definite real dance, early 90s dance feel to to pop life, which is a great progression, I think. Uh, As we're about to discover, actually, on the on the album today, because we are talking about Pop Life, the fifth studio album released in May 1991 and the only album featuring Jackie alongside Sarah and
0: Karen. And from what I've read, Will, Jackie left on good terms. Um, Obviously, I read the recently released memoirs Really Saying Something, which someone very kindly uh, sent to me as a little surprise. Was that it a was signed you, copy?
1: Will. Was it a signed copy?
0: It wasn't, no. Do you want
1: No it was, wasn't it? Oh, I think I oh, I think I bought a signed copy for myself.
0: Oh, so the true colors are real. <laughs> I'm glad this has been recorded actually. Yeah, you <laughs> thought yeah, okay. So yes, as it says in the book, Jackie left, you know, on on good terms. But uh, also worth noting that she wasn't kind of... Uh, she didn't audition for the band or anything like that. It wasn't a, a hearsay Johnny Chantel situation. Uh, the Thank girls God. knew her from a long time before. Uh, and I, what I love, Will, and I'm sure you've seen it as well, there's a couple of pictures of the all the full lineups of Banana Army, if you like. You've got Karen, Sarah, Jackie, and Siobhan. I think it's Siobhan's 40th, maybe, or something like that. And Jackie appeared in one of... Um, Shakespeare's sister's more recent videos as well when Siobhan was working on her own. So I love the kind of continuation of the relationships and, and her the part that Jackie plays in the history of Panorama. So they are all all still on good terms? I'm sure they are, yes. Are they? Well, I believe so. I've not been rooting around anyone's bins trying to find some sort of uh, <laughs> poison pen letters. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like bloody Hetty Wainthrop investigates, isn't it? I prefer Poirot. Hesse Wainthrott. <laughs> so we have got some great further listening on today's episode as well as uh, pop life in its entirety. As ever, track by track. And that's all coming up on your Tuesday edition.
0: So shall we get stuck in? Let's get stuck into pop life with side one, track one, Preacher Man.
1: Creature Man there, our first track on the album. This was released as the second single uh, from the album. And Dan, I've got to call out the harmonica first because I was instantly reminded again about you sucking on one like a push pop. And you didn't
0: know how to handle it, did you? No, I didn't. I, as you said last night, I, sh- I put the whole thing in my mouth. I looked like Ugly Betty when I smiled uh, and sounded like something much more annoying. It was not a great look or sound.
1: Uh, but I'll tell you what is a great sound.
0: Go on. Well,
1: this, this, Obviously this track. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> what obviously. else am I going to say? <laughs> Goodness knows. Uh, quite right, Will. I absolutely love this one. This is one of my favourite Bananarama singles ever. And I think, well, not I think, I know that I didn't hear this one for a while. I knew the kind of greatest hits of the 80s. This album kind of got my attention a little bit later. And it's just so euphoric. You have that, kind of progressive house intro and i i remember the first time i heard it thinking whoa where is this going you know it's very different for Rama, but then it does become a huge pop song
1: uh and it's a great mix actually because you've got the classic sort of Stock Aiken and Waterman style pop sounds but also with a really nice dance twist which for me is just
0: music to my ears yeah it is wonderful and yeah you brought up their stock aching waterman let's talk about some of the collaborators on this album because they do appear later on but it's not a full album with them as we had been used to with bananarama so on this one the majority of the songs are written uh, by sarah with youth uh youth who has worked with acts like u2 and primal scream and culture club and many many others uh, and also andy kane who has worked with some real uh, trap by track, favourites: Debbie Harry, Robbie Williams, m- numerous, uh, Kylie. So we're in great company here. But it's a new sound, and it's a new set of collaborators, uh, and a few other songwriters as well in the mix that I'll I'll throw in later. Something to look forward to. Absolutely, and I mentioned before that we saw Banana Arm Live, We saw the original lineup tour with Siobhan. This song was loved by Siobhan, even though she didn't co-write it or appear on it. that, that at her request. They performed it live on on that show.
1: That was a great night, wasn't it? We had a cracking time.
0: Yeah, our first time seeing Banana Armour as well. So wonderful to see them uh, as the original lineup. We've since seen them as a two piece. Have to say, well, and it's I know it's wanted by a lot of fans. I'd love to see a tour with Jackie celebrating the pop life era.
1: If you're listening, ladies, please.
0: Yeah, pl- uh, uh, We want it. Ooh, Ooh, do you want it? Suit you. Of course
1: he wants it. It's his birthday. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: this was a hit. Not huge, but he got to number 20 in the charts.
0: Very commendable.
1: OK, track number two now, and this is Long Train runner We are sorry to announce that the 1812
2: service to London Paddington is delayed by approximately eight minutes.
0: So long train running there, again, in keeping with a kind of a pop dance sound, a song ready for the clubs, but a very different sound at the same time. We've got a bit of flamenco in there, Will.
1: Yes. And Dan, a pop fact for you. Do you know who's playing the uh, flamenco guitar in that?
0: Please enlighten me.
1: It is uh, uh, Gypsy
0: Kings. Oh, I was thinking earlier about making a Gypsy King joke, but I didn't know if it would be
1: I just want to dance the
0: night. Was that them? No, that's the Mavericks. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say, I have heard of the Gypsy Kings. I thought that was, that was fantastic that they had them on board. I didn't know any Gypsy Kings songs, though. But as well as having them on board, of course, this is on board, Long Train Running. That was an accidental clip there. And this is a cover version of the Doobie Brothers uh, classic written by Tom Johnston of the Doobie Brothers.
1: Love a bit of the Doobie Brothers.
0: Yeah. Doop, 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 doop,
1: doop, doop. No, that's Doop. Was not
0: that? No. Them? Oh, the Doopy Sisters.
1: No, the Doobie Brothers have done, uh, listen to the music and um, other stuff as well. But I remember Motivate did a few remixes of Doobie Brothers stuff, which were. Uh, really? And if you're a fan of Motivate, do listen to our Genie G episode where we talk about lots of Motivatey things.
0: As well as. This being a Doobie Brothers cover and featuring guitar from Gypsy Kings. There are some wonderful backing vocals on this one from Zoe of Sunshine on a Rainy Day fame oh. and Carol Kenyon of Heaven 17's Temptation fame. So it really is a, a collaboration, this song. And again, a production from youth, of course.
1: This got to number 42. So just missed out on the big top 40.
0: And I can't believe I can't believe this wasn't a bigger hit because it, it's not to sound like Louis Bosch. It sounds like a hit. And with the success of the song before it getting to number 20, I guess, you know, not to say the charts were a strange time because they weren't at this point, but I guess it was a bit of a strange time for the band. New member, new sound. Everything wasn't... All the cogs in the machine weren't working right. Who knows? I do know, though, that it's loved by the band. And I think I remember... Because we did a tweet-along of this album, didn't we, with, with Armor last did, year? We did, yes. Uh, which was a, a, a real hoot, uh, fantastic to hear from them and the fans on some of their memories. Uh, and I seem to remember uh, either Sarah or Karen saying that they should perform this live again. And I completely agree with that. And I'm sure many others do. I could still imagine
1: them sort of squeezing it into their current with some of their more recent stuff. I think it would sit really nicely
0: then now I've said that, I think they might have been talking about the next song. But either would be great. <laughs> Both.
1: <laughs> uh, just wanted to say, uh, the single, it was just the third single, the single artwork is, uh, I really like it because it's like these little portrait. It's 12 little portrait photos of uh, the three girls. Lovely.
0: Yeah, I do. The whole look of this era, actually, I really like. And again, something else in the tweet along, they they said that it was a particular favorite time for them for their styling and things like that. Also on this one, the reason they chose to cover this song is because they needed one more track for the album. Um, So they were looking through Youth's record collection and this one stood out as something that would work well. And thank goodness he had it in his record case.
2: Please be aware that you can only bring a bicycle on this service if you have booked beforehand.
1: So on to track number three now, and this is Only Your Love. There. This was the debut single, lead single from this album. Dan, it's one of my favourite banana rama songs ever.
0: I'm not at all surprised, Will, it's a banger, but what, what is it that makes you love it so much?
1: Uh I just think it's the whimsy in it, it's the dance beat in it, it's the harmonies in it. I just think it's one of the songs that's like the epitome of
0: banana rama. Yeah, so much, like I said, so much fun. Uh, and just yeah, I love this one as well. And again, didn't really know it until quite recently. But there's so much happening in this song. There's the, all of those. Are they samples or are they interpolations or are they just hinted at that? But you've got Stones, Rolling Stones' Sympathy for the Devil in there, Primal Scream's Fool's Gold, James Brown's Funky Drummer. Um, <laughs> just so much inspiration and influence. And then you've got this incredible, iconic three-piece girl group singing it with production from Youth. It's so good, so infectious as well.
1: It's so infectious, and it and it's like nearly four minutes long. But I could listen to eight minutes of that just carrying on like that. It's just, uh, it's just great pop music, isn't it? And that's what we love here on Track by Track. (laughs) Unfortunately, it only got to number 27 in the singles charts, which is very very low and not really. I'm I'm so surprised when I was researching and saw that because it just it's a great pop song. It should it should have done a lot better. What happened?
0: Yeah, shame shame on the great British public to be honest with you Will. Again, because it was the first song from the album as well, um it was a great sign of things to come this new sound. It was the first single from Bananarama that they hadn't collaborated with Stock Aitken Waterman uh, on for some time. It was Jackie's first song. It should have been much bigger. Um, but as we said already, it's, it's a huge fan favourite. And just fingers crossed that they do add it to that live set list after this.
1: And I know a few Bananarama fans that cite this as their favourite Bananarama track.
0: And as well as kind of all those musical influences uh, and the great, fun, uplifting lyrics, that fantastic chorus, just the The na-na-na-na-na-na's from the nanas. There's something quite meta about that that I like. And also, actually, with the woo-woos, I almost because we had Long Train Running and then this with the woo-woos, I thought maybe this might be some sort of concept album based on Bradshaw's Guide, maybe, you know, before Michael Portillo got his hands on it.
1: Oh, I I know you love it too. I love his show.
0: I love... Was it great, Great British Railway Journeys or Great Continental Railway Journeys? Any TV show that's about a railway journey, I'm interested. Uh, You do
1: love seeing a chuff-chuff on the TV.
0: I I particularly get quite excited when the train goes through the tunnel.
1: I know you're on the edge of your seat when it's quite a tight fit. (laughs) Track number four now. This is What Colour Are the Skies Where You Live?
0: Colour are the skies where you live there. I just love the even more experimental sounds on this one. Of course, we've had that run of three big pop singles. Again, new sounds, uh, but very much for the singles market, I think. Now we've got something completely new for Banana Rama. These reggae beats, lots of electronic sounds and effects being thrown into the mix. And, and also, I love how it showcases the girls' airy lighter vocals that were kind of more in keeping with their earlier sound, I love that they kind of brought that back because with the three songs before this again, they were choruses to be belted out. Here, not so much. More poetic, more whimsical. What a great time. Yeah. So we've got fantastic album artwork.
1: Uh, and I... Hey, I, after everything you've just said, I am a little bit reluctant to do it, but it's the right time in the album.
0: You've got to do it you've somewhere. You've got to it. do it somewhere.
1: And... The album cover for this uh, looks uh, like a bit of a cut and paste job, actually. So it looks like three different photos of the girls that have been uh, composited together uh, using, I don't know, whatever was around at the time. Um, and then you've got Bananarama in pink. It's not really a logo, is it? It's just Bananarama in pink font and pop life mm. in the wider font. But uh, three lovely photos of the girls. But what I would have really loved is one of them all together.
0: Yeah, I suppose with with it being the new lineup, that would have shown a bit more of uh, togetherness, I suppose. Uh, so I, I definitely agree with you there, but I do like uh, I do like the the cut and paste look. But I do like the experimental nature. But I, you know, I love a banger, Dan. You do like a banger, and I think you might still have a few more to come. So track number five, then, and this is is your love strong enough.
1: Dan.
2: We're talking
1: a bit more experimental. This is more like it. It's a very almost sort of progressive dance house vibe going through this. And I just love this just the, the it won't surprise you to hear me say this, but uh the mix of guitars and a beat running through it, I think is brilliant, particularly with the lighter vocals from, from the ladies.
0: Yeah, again, I think it's it fits completely with the album, but again, experimenting with new sounds. Uh, there's another, there's a different songwriter on this one. This was written with Steve Jolly, who wrote a lot of the band's earlier stuff with them, um, but hadn't written anything with them since True Confessions, which came a good few years before this. So I love how kind of an old friend back in the mix, but then still produced by youth, as far as I know. So then still, you know, very much a pop structure to the song, but then that club experimental production to the sound uh, and yeah what a great song
1: also it's lovely to see this track and many others on the album are you know a bit longer than the standard pop track of like three to three and a half minutes where you've got this track that's uh you know five five plus minutes uh and other tracks later on that are over six minutes long as well not what you would get in the standard girl group pop album at this time
0: definitely and i think that is kind of almost a true sign of experimenting with music and pop music i think isn't it you, if you're not writing the three minute pop banger but you're really stretching it out you're playing around with sound playing around with structure uh and yeah completely done here and done well as well
1: track number six now and this is <clears throat> tripping on your love
0: that recording with prue that this <laughs> Just when you think there can't be any more sounds thrown into the mix on this album, there's even more with this one. You've got that rap intro, sitar, even more of an acid house sound maybe with some of the production, uh, but still very much the structure of what you'd consider, I suppose, a Bananarama pop song, and still a fantastic addition to the album.
1: I love it because it just feels even more far out and experimental than anything we've heard so far, and I think just with the... The sitar and the rap and the kind of more, I don't know, it's just, it's a strange mix, but it just somehow works, doesn't it? And I can see why, I think this was originally, they were keen to release this a bit earlier in the album campaign, but it sort of pushed back because it wasn't sort of as a suitable release.
0: <clears throat> and because of that, of course it was, so yeah, it wasn't one of the early ones, it was the fourth and final single. And, you know, it didn't set the charts alight but as well as the reason you know, as well as it being the fourth single the fourth single probably never will do so well this was also released after Jackie's departure was announced it was released after uh, Sarah financial was pregnant so she couldn't um promote it so much I also think I might be wrong but I think this is the time uh, where in the memoirs Karen talks about her depression and anxiety as well and I think that might have been around this time so it just feels like you know, it was the wrong time to release the song. And maybe maybe they should have left it on three, actually, on three singles.
1: Well, it certainly didn't set the charts on fire. It got to number 76. So maybe you are right, Dan. Maybe you're right for once, Dan.
0: For once. <laughs> that said, though, Will, I think a lot of fans really loved this one. Uh, and there were some great remixes for it as well, including one from George Michael, who, again, just to nod back to the memoirs, there's some lovely... Uh, words and memories on George Michael because they were such close friends. Uh so great to know. I guess great for them to have this lasting collaboration with him.
1: Dan question for you mm-hmm. did you ever bump into George Michael uh on any of your visits to Hampstead Heath over the years? Because I know you were you're both or were uh well he's dead, you've moved away, you were both uh big fans of the Heath.
0: Yep, yeah, sadly not. I, as you said, I've moved away since then. I lived very close to it until recently. Would go very often. Sad. I don't think I lived around there when George was still alive. Sadly, but as mentioned on Track by Track before, I did pass Sarah and her daughter Alice uh, on a walk before. And even though we've worked on the tra- on the uh, tweet alongs and things like that before, I knew that I was very drunk. And I thought I'm not going to go over and completely make a show of myself. So I let them enjoy their walk together. What
1: were you doing drunk on the heath in the middle of the day?
0: I'd been for a lovely Sunday lunch, Will.
1: <laughs> and I've been to a Sunday lunch with you before, and you're sliding down your
0: chair at the table before they've even brought the the, uh, the roast dinner up to you. I get so excited, and I yeah, it's just well, it's going to be happening again soon, isn't it? We're we're. We're allowed back in pubs next week, I believe. And we are, you and I, you know, we're going to paint the town red, aren't we?
1: We are. And I think to see you trying to hold your plate still up at the Carvery while Chef uh, dishes you up a nut loaf is a sight I've been waiting a year to see. So I can't wait for that.
0: And you did, we were texting the other day, you did say you want to bring Carvery Corner back to Track by Track. So you can start next week. Carvery Corner. On track by
2: track
0: (laughs) let's move on this
1: is track number seven on track by track i've got three words for you go on stock aiken
0: waterman quite right as well will this is of course written with the stock aiken waterman lads as well as sarah and um what a, it sounds weird saying this what a different sound for Banana Rama. On this album.
1: It is, because it calls back to a lot of their earlier work and that house style from Stock Aiken and Waterman. But at the same time, it also feels slightly twisted and tweaked as well.
0: Yeah, slightly, yeah, not, yeah, slightly a slightly more mature version of that sound maybe for this album. Uh, Now, I have to say, when we did the tweet along, the girls weren't overly complimentary about this one i think karen said it 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 shouldn't have been on this album it sounds out of place and i can see what she means because it it definitely is very different to anything we've heard before on the album but I, i also think it's a fantastic pop song and a fantastic bananarama stock aching waterman pop song
1: i also love how we are using our own selves as a reference source for information in this episode well done us
0: well done, us. Yes, and as well, yeah. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna keep referencing ourselves, will, and rightfully so. Um, a lot of the fans on the on the Twitter along were saying how much they loved this one. Um, particularly, uh, I did notice that legendary banana armor fan Normski. He said that apparently RuPaul is a big fan of this one.
1: And Dan, I don't know if you watched RuPaul's Drag Race when it was on, uh, or even catch up now on BBC iPlayer, but in the lip syncs, and they've had a lot of classic UK pop. Uh, Rue, she knows all the words. She's, she's singing along whilst they're doing the lip sync as well. So I'm not surprised that she knows Ain't No Cure by Bananarama because she loves she loves the music.
0: Yeah, and they did a Q&A thing together, I think, a couple of years ago as well. So I think there is a relationship there. But also, am I right in thinking there was a lip sync to Lasting on My Mind, the Steps version yes. that Bananarama had previously recorded. So, yeah, definitely feel like there's a, a a passion for UK pop, as you said. Also, I think Michelle Visage uh, is passionate about it. Of course, she is recently duetted with Steps. But I feel like she just, she gets our pop culture. Oh,
1: yeah. I was, do you know what? I was going to say the same thing. Michelle Visage just seems to know and get all of the kind of UK pop culture stuff. And she often explained to Rue Paul... What different phrases and things mean, particularly in that uh, like EastEnders soap acting episode.
0: The thing that I love about Michelle Visage, I saw a a clip on Twitter or something the other day. She did some sort of Q and A, and someone said to her, "B and M bargains or home bargains," and she said she couldn't decide. It was like Sophie's Choice, and I thought that's my kind of gal because you know, I mean, for me, it's always home bargains. Got to be honest, but they're both great in their own way.
1: Do you know what you don't see very much of anymore? Is a pound stretcher. Uh no you
0: don't, do you? Well pound do you get pound land? Pound, pound, world? pound
1: land is still is is like the front runner in the in the pound world. But like B and M is obviously the big thing. We've strayed so far from the point that we'd have to look it up on Google Maps to get back there, Dan. So I think we should probably carry on with the next track now.
0: I think that's a good idea.
1: Track number eight now. And this is
2: Out of the Sight.
0: Goodness me. Well, I felt like I was in some sort of raucous, edgy, down and dirty dive bar while that was playing.
1: I don't think you I don't think you've ever found
0: your way in one of those, have you?
1: The last time I saw you, you were dancing on the tables in Gay
0: Late. <laughs> um, what a raucous but brilliant track.
1: It is uh, they are trying a bit of a rockier thing there, aren't they? And uh they've still got there's still a bit of a pounding beat running through it as well. But they definitely
0: uh, over-index themselves on the guitars. Definitely. Talking of a pounding beat, Will, lines in this one include the way that you drum me and the way that you bass me. Drum and bass. What does it all mean? I think you know what it means, Dan. But I think if they did do a pop life tour, this would be phenomenal live. And this would go down so well with the audience because it's kind of... it's. Not what you'd expect. Certainly nowadays, a lot of the Bananarama set lists focus on you know, their big popular tracks and maybe some of the newer stuff from in stereo. But this would go down a storm. And not only that, of course, they started out very punk and very DIY and very edgy compared to some of the other acts of the time. So it's, this isn't a, a brand new thing for Banana Bananarama. This is almost like a, a tip of the hat to the former selves. Now, I think they're all about that champagne lifestyle.
1: Uh, good for them, actually, because they've earned it. They mm. deserve it, though.
0: They definitely, when they got on a plane, they definitely go left. Which way do you go? Well, on a, on a Ryanair flight, there's only really one way to go, isn't there?
1: I can't remember the last time I was on a plane. I can remember, actually, because it was with you.
0: Yes, when we went to Sicily. And did we go Ryanair, EasyJet, or was it something nicer? Yeah, for the sake of trying to uh, put on some sort of... Mystique <laughs> or Mirage for the listeners let's say it was uh, a private jet <laughs> it was actually a coach trip wasn't it a coach package that you got. yeah us. it
1: took us three and a half weeks to get there
0: <laughs> and we had half an hour by the pool and then we had to set off back because we had to
1: get off every day and do some sort of ridiculous
0: challenge coach trip Brendan oh do you know who'd be great on coach trip Panorama. haven't they done it absolutely I don't think so they definitely have done um, it was like Celebrity Antiques not Roadshow, but Hunt, maybe? Antique Trip? Antique Hunt? Celebrity antique anyway, Trip were... Hunt. Yes, I think that's exactly what it was, actually. And as you would expect, they were their hilarious selves. I honestly, I'd love to go on a night out with Banana Waba. This isn't a desperate plea to them if they're listening, but I don't mind getting the first bottle of... profit. Oh, <laughs> to be honest,
1: Dan, after the year we've just had, I'd be happy to go on a night out with anyone... Of our listeners.
0: <laughs> well, if you'd like to join Will on a night out, do let us know at Track by Track UK. We will make it happen. Sadly, I'm washing my hair, so I can't join. Quite greasy.
2: Uh,
1: next track. So we're on to track number nine now, and this is Megalomania. And Dan you know in some ways I can see why this album maybe wasn't as successful as some of their previous work because it is you haven't got like 10 11 tracks of like pop chart pop bangers have you you've got some very different stuff on there like this track which I love because there's some great synths there's some great guitars in there but this wouldn't be for everyone this wouldn't be for someone that maybe loves loving the first degree would it?
0: Absolutely and I think it, that is often the case with the majority of acts, isn't it? Acts, as musicians, as artists, they like to experiment. So whether you're talking about Bananarama or you're talking about Arctic Monkeys or you're talking about The Killers or whoever, the the act is going to want to make more experimental things and you have to respect that. And you have to, if you're going to follow them, you have to respect that choice. Uh, if you want, if you just want that earlier sound, just listen to the earlier albums. Uh, for us, I think as fans of Bananarama in all of their forms you know we love this experimental sound it's so great to hear them doing new things to hear them trying new things in the studio and I have to say I do wonder what Jackie made of this album because well I having said that I know that she's a fan of the album I know that she thinks it's their best album probably a little bit of bias there but when she was asked to join Bananarama surely she expected to be kind of doing the same sort of stock aching waterman sort of stuff so i'd you know i'd love to know what when she first heard these demos what how was she blown away by them was it completely out of the blue or was it already hinted that they were going to do uh, a bit of a new sound for this album
1: maybe she was very pleased that there was something different happening and it wasn't just going to be the
0: usual stock aching and waterman very
1: good pop songs but it's going to be a bit more experimental a bit more different
0: uh, this one will has an additional writer on so as well as Sarah youth and Andy as mentioned earlier this one's also got bassy or Basie Walker apologies uh, for whichever way I get that wrong uh, he was a former dance with banana armor who went on to have a relationship with Sarah and was engaged to her and he is the father of Alice D who of course uh, said before Sarah was pregnant or became pregnant around this time Alice now in her own right a fantastic solo artist we've talked about her few times on track by track and the new music drop. Uh, and she also looks after the Banana Bananarama socials. So it must be wonderful to her to have this track that her mum and her dad worked on.
1: And, and yes, much better. And Dan, do you know uh, what a megalomaniac
0: is? I don't. When I see that word, I think of you, but I don't know why. What is it? Well, a person who has
1: an obsessive desire for power. So yes, it is me.
0: Yes. But, oh, somehow and subliminally subliminally I knew
1: so Dan I demand that we move on to the next track I?
0: let's do it
1: track number 10 I Can't Let You Go Funky number this one is I can't let you go there
0: Yeah two things Spring to mind for me When this one starts I think the drums Are very similar To uh, The Lion King Particularly the song I just can't wait to be king Of course this came out Before that So I'm not even uh, Hinting at any form of uh, Copycat Nuss going on there Um, But also uh, It sounds like Stevie Wonder's organ On this one (laughs) Did you say that on purpose? (laughs) <laughs> no, your filthy mind. No, I think there's something very superstitious uh, about the sound of this. I don't mean that Black Cats and Witches and that. It sounds like his classic track, Superstitious.
1: So this is a great penultimate track, I think. Well,
0: penultimate in some ways, but
1: it's. I think it's nice. It's a bit slower, but it's just quite a funky pounder.
0: Yeah, again, so experimental and um, even like some sound bites in there of uh, the audio. I think you get a bit of laughter in there. I think that's Sarah laughing in the studio. You get a real sense of, uh, again, fun, experimentalism, playing around with things. Um, But interestingly, again, quoting the tweet along, uh, Karen thought that this would have made a lovely ballad. And apparently she used to sing it to Tom, her son, uh, as more of a sort of ballad, a lullaby 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 sort of sound
1: i can see what you mean but i like it as it is so we're on to the last track of the album proper because we're not going to be talking about track 12 which is a remix we don't agree with
0: that sort of thing on albums no interestingly if you had the cassette when it came out i can't let you go would have been the last song but anyway so bonus for any
1: cassette holders out there because we've got track 11 now heartless like you
2: I love the
1: fact that the last track proper on the album, it's still very different to what's come before, but it also feels quite traditional. And again, it's Stock Aiken and Waterman, maybe not their house sound completely, but it's more of a classically structured pop song.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm so glad it ends on this because I love what they've done with Pop Life. I think it is a w- amazing album. I love the new sounds on there. But it started off with a lot of pop from Bananarama and their new producers with Preacher Man, Long Train Winning, Only Your Love. I think it's only right to kind of let that experimentalism play throughout and then come back to ending on, you know, what what we really know Bananarama for. And again, as with Ain't No Cure, this is such a good and probably mainly unknown, um, because it wasn't a single, a mainly unknown Stock Aitken Waterman song with uh, Karen and Sarah writing this one as well. It's, it's so good. I love it.
1: And track number 12 is an alternative mix of Preacher Man. Uh, but it's not needed because the ultimate version of Preacher Man is track one on the album.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It should end. Yeah. Heartless should be the end. The other thing I love about Heartless World is that very dramatic introduction uh, reminds me of Love Don't Live Here Anymore yes Uh, although again just to go back to the sweet along sarah said that she thought it was quite pet shop boys just because we haven't mentioned them for a while i thought i'd better bring it up (laughs) are you
1: sure there's nothing duran duran related that you want to mention at this point
0: um oh nothing springs to mind but i would love a collaboration between the two of course
1: so just a word before we move into further listening on the album performance so it got to number 42 in the uk album chart so not the best and it was, uh, I guess it received mixed reviews at the time as well. But Dan, for me, it's one of my favourite Rama albums. And it's also home to one of my favourite Bananarama songs. So I am definitely not going to uh, slag it off because it's a great album.
0: Yeah. And as we said, it's, as we said throughout this, it's a fan favourite. Uh, so it might not have hit the top of the charts at the time, but fans that have come on board since this album was released love this one. Uh, also of course it's very special because it was Jackie's only studio album with them so yeah I should have said well Heartless when we're talking about Heartless uh, or focusing on that I love that Jackie got to end the album with that song you know I think it's true true to Banana Rama. So further listening time Dan what are we
1: going for today?
0: We're sticking with this album because as we say with a lot of our favorites we are going to come on to each album at some point we are going to focus our further listening on things that came from that time uh, and the great thing is that there's been uh, lots of reissues and different versions of this album so uh, as well as the b-sides we've got lots of other things to choose from so will over to you thanks dan
1: uh, so i am going for a bonus track from the album which you might not have heard this is i don't care I don't care. Now, I don't know, actually, off the tip of my tongue, who uh, produced, but it does sound Stock Aitken and Waterman with a bit of a donk on, but I think it's a great track that should have been part of the album.
0: Yeah, it's a great song. I definitely, I don't know the facts, but I would also assume it's a Stock Aitken, Waterman one, maybe with a bit of youth's production on top of that one. Yeah, Um, yeah, really like it. I think it's uh, another solid Bananarama pop hit, or pop... B side. A solid quarter pounder. Dan, what have you gone for? Uh, So I have gone for the alternative version of Ain't No Cure.
1: So, Dan, <laughs> what is it about the alternative version that you like?
0: So, as far as I know, Will, there's, I couldn't find a great deal of detail about this, but I believe that this version of the song was produced by Youth, whereas the version on the album was produced by Stock Aitken Waterman. And I just love this kind of slightly more raucous, uh, slightly more stripped back uh, sound to this one, clearly trying to keep it in keeping with the album. Uh, obviously, they went with the the traditional Stock aiken Waterman sound, I, and I just wonder if this one would have fitted in more. As much as I love the the version of the album, would this have made it more cohesive? And that's kind of why I ch- I wanted to showcase this for that reason. What did you think of it, Will?
1: Do you know what? I'll whisper it, but I actually prefer this version. Really? Yeah. Wow, I'm glad you whispered it. Don't tell. Don't tell anyone.
0: Don't tell Pete Waterman. Don't tell our thousands of listeners. <laughs> We're out of time. So thank you for joining us on our run through Banana Rama's Pop Life. Do let us know what you think to the album and to today's episode at Track By Track UK.
1: And if you get a movement, movement do give us a rating <laughs> and a review uh, and follow us over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Dan, can you give us a hint of a tease as to what's coming up next?
0: So next week, we are celebrating the 10th anniversary of the second studio album from from a legend, Will. And we almost talked about this one during LGBTQ plus history month. There's so much to choose from then we decided to celebrate it on its anniversary. Uh, This is a biggie.
1: That's vague enough to be quite uh, mysterious, actually. So well done this
0: time. It's one occasion done. Once, yeah. (laughs) So that's it. So, until next time, I've been the Gypsy Kings. And I've been the Preacher Man.
1: Goodbye.
2: Goodbye. Oh.
0: So, what colour are the skies? <laughs> Do you drop your guts? <laughs> no, it's oh. a chair. <laughs> I did a U then I zoned out. for I, I forgot what song you were talking about. I've got Did that? I was thinking about what I'm saying next. He's had uh, he's had a couple, had a of, couple of gins, listeners.
2: Gay. But
1: Gay. No, that is right.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's had a gin, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>